What's up? What's up, Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because you are the master of your domain. If you've ever typed a URL into a browser or gone to register a domain name for a new project of yours, you're already somewhat familiar with today's topic. A few listeners have asked for this and it was something I wanted to learn more about too, and that's domain name investing. I turned to Andrew Alleman from Domain Name Wire and asked him, you know, who would be good to connect with in this space? Basically, who's legit? And he gave me a few names and introduced me to today's guest, Mark Levine. In his spare time, Mark manages a portfolio of 3,500 to 4,000 domains, which is definitely not huge by domain investor standards, but still a pretty decent sized collection. And of those, he sold 70 last year, which netted him around 160 grand in gross profit. And of that, he spent a little over half on renewal fees for the portfolio and then acquiring new domains to add to it, reinvesting back into the business, right? So you can find Mark at DomainTheory.com, but stick around in this episode for an honest look at what it takes to buy low and sell high in this world of digital real estate, including where and how to buy domains, why new up-and-coming extensions can kind of level the playing field against the people who've been in it for years and years, and Mark's recommendations for evaluating potential resale value of a domain down the road. Notes and links for this episode, along with the full text summary, are at sidehustlenation.com slash domain. And while you're there, make sure to pick up the uh, quick guide to the alternative investments that I've personally invested in. Since Mark's background is in the publishing industry, he started with a lot of domains in that space. Ready? Let's do it. It's a huge ocean. And if you don't come in with some focus, you're just all over the place. And you can become upside down very quickly in doing this. Because, you know, you just start registering, you know, $10 here, $20 here, $100 here. And there's a 200 plus extensions today. And anyone I talk to who is starting out, I always tell them that, and I use myself as an example. Like I would buy names related to self-publishing. I had tons of those. I still own many of the literary genres. So I, I own historicalfiction.com, literary fiction, YA fiction, young adult fiction. You know, I own a lot of those. And I did those at the time. I went into a Barnes and Noble and just walked down the aisles and looked at the little cards they have above the shelves and just said, okay, I'm going to try to buy this genre. I'm going to try to buy this genre. So, you know, I would do things like that. And today I still, and now these are not necessarily publishing related, but I buy a lot of names that have book or story or novel in them. Again, they're not specifically for publishing, but in buying names that have that stuff, those other words in it, you know, I see patterns, you know, again, it's a niche of a niche. Okay. So is that the exit strategy there? It's like, I'm buying this with, you know, some publishing company is going to buy this. Maybe some author is going to buy this down the road. Do you start with the end in mind or just say, hey, this is a cool I start name. with it's a cool name because I don't buy any name that would have any kind of trademark issue. I, I just completely avoid that. I don't have any interest in getting caught up in any of that. I just buy things that I think would be a cool name. And in the case, it was just, I have this one term, uh, the self-publishing term for this niche part of the industry that I'm not in. And I'm going to price the name high because I know 
there's three companies in this space that are possible buyers of this name. So when I do buy a name, if I cannot picture one use for it, I do not buy the name. Now, oftentimes the use that I see in my head may not be the one that the eventual buyer uses it for, but it has to make sense on some level to me that it's a name that somebody could use and make a business on. Is there room for new investors to to come in here? It seems like, well, of course, of course, all the good names are on Yes, I mean... Yes and yes. I've really been doing it since, uh, I mean, I'd say probably 2002, three. And of course, if I was, you know, if I had hindsight back then, there are things I would have registered. But even by then, any one word.com was gone. And any one word, like when I bought fiction.com, I wasn't buying that for $30, you know, for $15 or whatever. They, I had to pay a ton of money to get that name. So yes, there are opportunities all the time. There are less opportunities to go and, re- and hand register a oneword.com that would have any commercial value, but there are still a lot of great opportunities. And some of these new extensions provide those opportunities. Now, I wouldn't advise like if somebody was just going to start and get into the domain space to start just picking off random extensions to register names in, you'll lose a lot of money. But there are some where there is a lot of a lot of opportunity. Now, again, as more people get in and they become more popular, they close. But the .io extension has become really popular, and .io is really popular with tech companies, uh, startups in that space, and it's a what's called a CCTLD, which is a country code. So every country has a top-level domain. In the U.S., it's .us. Uh, in England, it's co.uk. In Mexico, it's .com.mx. And .io just happens to be for some small little group of islands in the Indian Ocean. But they have allowed anyone to buy these names. And I started buying them in about 2015. In 2015, you could have had almost any one word .io that you wanted. Today, OneWord.io's really good ones are going for ten to seventy-five thousand dollars. I have some good ones, but you know, I didn't take advantage of all the buying I should have. And names that I was buying and selling back in 2015, 2016, what I sold them for at a retail value today. The wholesale value would be four or five times what the retail value was back then. So there are opportunities. There's a new extension, .gg, and it has become very popular with esports and uh, online gaming. And I don't really, I haven't played a video game since the late 80s. And it's, I don't know anything really about it, but I saw a couple shows. I mean, there's a show called Real Sports with Brian Gumbel, and they did this thing on the World of Warcraft you know, championship, and they sold out the Staples Center in LA. And there's all these people now with the YouTube channels and Twitch, and you know, all these young gamers are becoming millionaires and celebrities, and a whole industry has now started to build around that. So I thought, well, that's interesting. I'm going to buy some, you know, they're one word dot GGs. And I was trying to anticipate some that might work. 
Can you share an example or two? Sure. The first one, it was like, well, I'm just going to buy names that could be names of teams. Because until I started thinking about it on a deeper level, that was the first thing that came to mind. So the first name I sold was lions.gg. And I sold that to a to a professional soccer team out of South Bend, Indiana, that would be kind of like in a developmental league, I guess would be the best way to put it, where they're, it's kind of like a, a minor league. Okay. And I just thought, well, if, if these guys are seeing this and they're investing, and I sold it for $1,500, I bought it for, I think, $35. And I just thought, well, if these guys are seeing it, you know, there's some real potential. So I had bought some other names that could be team names. And then I had bought just a couple that are just good names. Like I bought Lotus.gg, Traction.gg. I just thought, you know, these would be good names. And then they started to get bought and they were getting bought not by teams, but by the ecosystem of companies that are building around the esports and gaming world. You know, one of them was some kind of a network to connect while you're, you know, gaming, something like that. Um, so then I decided to, I had sold, you know, in the last year I sold seven of these dot GGs and it's, I've sold more than anyone I know. So I'm, I'm not advocating for anyone to start putting a bunch of money in that because I might be an anomaly. I don't know. But for me, it felt like the IOs felt in 2015. So I just decided that I was going to take all my profits from my GG sales and hand register as many good one word dot GGs as I could. And either I'm going to be a genius or I'm going to be a guy that you know wasted all the profits that he made selling them. But I thought it was a risk worth taking. So in saying that, there are opportunities because there are one-word domains available in other extensions. It's guessing which ones are going to come up. You know, GG is a better bet than most because it's already in use and already has a level of adoption, but it's still risky and they're not cheap. To hand register one of those is at the cheapest place in the world is $40. And that's just not a sustainable investment. I couldn't justify and tell anyone to go spend $4,000 to buy 100.ggs when if you're lucky, like as a domain investor last year, I sold two and a half percent of my inventory. And that that's a phenomenal sale, sell-through rate. So it doesn't you know, a hundred names, you might sell one or two. So sure, if you sold two and you had them each at $3,000 and you invested $4,000, you are going to net $2,000, but it's risky. You know, it, it's not where I would start domain investing for sure. Well, let's go there instead. Where would you start for somebody wanting to get into this as a side hustle today? First thing I would do is I would go out and listen to there's some great podcasts in the industry. There's great blogs in the in, in the industry, and I would start doing that just to see, because it, it sounds really awesome when somebody I come on and like you said earlier, I netted 160 thousand in sales, and 
I mean, out of that 160, I spent half of it went back in to buy names and to pay all the renewal fees. So if on a net basis, it was great. You know, I think I netted 70 some thousand dollars. But it's taken me years and years to do that in a lot of trial and error. And, and I didn't have the benefit of the kind of tools that are available now. So the first thing I would do if I was thinking about doing this, I would just start listening to some of the podcasts that are out there and just to see if you really think it's interesting. Like I have a, I have a passion for it. I mean, I love it. I think it, it makes me a better business person for my other company. It's part working at an ad agency, part working on wall street, part gambling. It's, it's a combination. It's a combination of a lot of things. And you know, it's like playing word games all the time. And it's, I love it. I'm very passionate about it. You know, to me, I could do it all day long and never get bored. But before I would tell anyone to start investing money, this is different than, you know, you put a thousand dollars and you buy some Bitcoin. This is different. There's just so many options and you don't even know where to start. So the first thing I would do is listen to some podcasts and there are great ones out there. And then if after listening to some podcasts, if you think like, hey, I really like this, then I would take this course called DN Academy. And it's run by this guy, Michael Seiger, who I know really well. And this is not why I'm advocating anyone to take the course, but it is the best course that's ever been invented for domain investing. And it's stuff that I learned over 10 years of trial and error. And he is walking people through how to become a domain investor, what to look for. There's, it's, it's a very interactive course. I think it's about $500 and there might be a, maybe a little bit more expensive version as well. And you get all these discounts on products that if you're a domainer, you're going to probably use anyway. And you get in many cases, free access to them. So the first thing I do is tell anyone just, if you decide you're into it, spend the 500 and take that course. And if you complete the course and you're still into it, I will mentor you. The people who have completed, I just talked to a guy today who had contacted me, who had heard me on a podcast and something resonated with him that I said. And he is a former pro soccer player and he has this really cool business where they train people virtually, all these other former pro soccer players. And I thought it was really cool. So I kind of wanted to learn more about it. And he had just started in domaining and told me he had taken the course. And then he told me he has purchased a couple names and he told me what they were and how he came to the valuations. And it was very thoughtfully done. And I think this guy is going to probably be successful in doing it. But had he done it where he just went out and starts buying domains, your chances of success are, are just low. But again, I think if you have a passion for it and you're taking that class, I mean, that class has produced some legitimate domain investors who now are successful in doing it. And, and you know, again, it's to whatever degree, because you do need some level of capital to risk to do this. And you know, my advice would be only spend what you can afford to never see again. Yeah, it's really an interesting comparison to draw versus another physical product business. Where it's like, if I'm only selling two and a half percent of my inventory every year, I'm going backwards in a hurry. But here you're a superstar. 
if you're selling that. Yeah, because you're buying well enough, I guess, is the idea. And so the hand registrations of the new up-and-coming domains is one way to go. I'm on the GoDaddy is expiring listings auction site now. And interesting that you bring up the soccer player or online soccer coach, because eSoccer.com is one of these domains that's up for bid right now, currently at $3,000, but probably to go for more. It's like, shoot, that might be an interesting one for this guy. That, you know, it's funny when we were exchanging emails back and forth, I don't really follow too many soccer related names. And so he was the one that, because I was telling him about the .ggs because I own soccer.gg. So I was just telling him like, you know, this is it's really interesting, this .gg thing. And then he was the one that told me about the eSoccer. And so that's actually, that sale is going to be a plus for my .gg. It makes that, I think, somewhat more valuable. eSoccer is a great name in and of itself. And if it's at 3000 now, and I think there's probably a few days left, I'm guessing. I, I haven't looked at it. Yeah, three days left, four days left. You know, that could go to well over ten thousand dollars. You know, but that three thousand now, you know, sometimes these auctions when you get in, um, and I do a lot of those GoDaddy expiring name auctions too. I mean, um I'd say fifty percent of my names have come from there. I have a very low risk tolerance overall when it comes to domains, despite buying a lot of domains, my risk tolerance per purchase is pretty low. So I buy a lot of these auction domains. I buy a lot. And when the auction is over, if nobody buys it, it goes to a closeout section. And I buy a lot of those. So last year, I sold 70 names. Out of that 70, almost half were just GoDaddy closeouts that nobody else wanted. Oh, interesting. And is there a typical or average price for those? Well, they now, GoDaddy, just as of two weeks ago, they totally changed how that works. It used to be they just, the minute the auction was over, it went to $11. But then there were a lot of companies that were creating bots to pound on the GoDaddy servers. So a guy like me, even though I'm watching this auction and as soon as it hits zero, I'm going to try to buy the name. Nobody's buying it. But so as soon as it hits zero, I'm going to try to buy it. The bots have already beat me to it. So I think the reason that GoDaddy changed the pricing was not because they care that the little guy like me is going to get frozen out. But now it starts at $50 if nobody bids. And then it becomes like a, I think it's called a Dutch auction, where then it goes, like after a few days, it goes to 40, then 30, then 11, then 5. Okay. Okay. How long can you hold out? How long, how bad do you really want it? I'm disciplined also. So sure, if there was a name, but now it changes the auction strategy because now I might bid $12, which is like the lowest bid you can have, knowing that, okay, if I go anywhere below 50 and you know, there's another bidder in here now, I'm okay because I know that a closeout is starting at 50. So it's a little different strategy. And what's happened is the bots also come in to the bidding itself at GoDaddy, at least at five minutes left. If you put in a bid at four minutes and 30 seconds, it resets the clock to five minutes. So at, you know, if there's an auction I really want, I go there at five minutes and 10 seconds left, put in the bid. And if nobody else comes in, I end up getting the name for $12. 
But then there are bots that are created that are basically, if somebody puts in a bid, then we're going to put in a bid also. And, you know, a lot of my, some of my friends in the industry who have way more names than I do have figured out kind of all these kind of the bots strategies. Like if the name has a GoDaddy appraisal value of under 1400, the bots usually don't bid. If it's over, they bid, you know, and the bots usually don't go higher than X amount. So it's changed somewhat of the strategy. So now what I have done, if I love a name, I'm going to have to go try to get it. Some of these GoDaddy auctions get out of control quickly. And I like to do a lot of research on the names before and see what are people using it. You know, if I just type it in the search engine, what comes up? Are other companies using something similar? I mean, if other companies are like a phrase and you see a lot of companies using some variation of a name, that makes a name more valuable. If you see companies using it on LinkedIn, if it's a common term, you know, it's and sometimes I learn about words I never even knew existed. Well, I never heard of this GG extension. That's an example for me. Right. So tell me when you're like looking at these auction listings or even after they have kind of the auction has ended and now you're in this reverse Dutch auction type of thing. Tell me about like evaluating the comps or coming up with an estimated retail value for this thing. I mean, that's the name of the game, trying to buy low, sell high. Is there a way to determine, okay, what do I think this is going to someday be worth? You could ask that question a hundred domain investors, and you might get a hundred different answers. It's not like buying a house where you know a house in this neighborhood, you know, you can look at the same houses around it that have five bedrooms and four bathrooms and, you know, that are within five blocks and in the same school district. Domains are different because the word, whether it's a .com, a .net, a .org, that changes the value it can be based on, you know, the amount of potential end users. And we're all kind of coming up with our own valuations of what it's worth. I mean, I think in the oneword.com, in the premium oneword.com space, it's a little easier to have comps because you can say this six letter word sold for 400,000, this sold for 350. And when you're trying to negotiate with a buyer at that level, you know, maybe some of those comps can work in the stuff that in the level that I'm doing. I mean, my goal, I think this is kind of a domain rule of thumb is you'd like to get at least 10 X what you spend. And that isn't always the case because sometimes in these auctions, I may overpay to a way where just because I paid 900, that doesn't mean that there it's a $10,000 name. So Sometimes it's based on the industry that you're trying to sell in. Like I love to buy names that I envision as a restaurant. I mean, I'm a big food guy and I love to buy like cool names that I could imagine as restaurants. But the people who buy those names, the actual restaurants, you know, if you're a small restaurant and you're about to open somewhere, you're not spending $10,000 on a name. So it's also the industry. Like if I buy Joe's landscaping.com, that guy, nobody's paying $2,500 for that name. Yeah. So it's, I, I can't say that there's like a total system of comps. I mean, for me, I go look at like GoDaddy has an appraisal tool. 
Uh, there's another company that has an appraisal tool that are built on algorithms. GoDaddy is based on related sales over the last 20 years. But those are just guides because a name that GoDaddy sold 16 years ago that ends in the word fiction, let's say, is not really a comp because, I mean, yes, it ends, let's say I'm buying historical fiction and literary fiction is one of the comps on the GoDaddy appraisal. Well, what a name sold, what a dot-com sold for in 2006 isn't a relevant comp. And you don't know, it shows you the domains that they're saying, look, this sold at this, but without going to look up when those sold, you don't really have any idea, but it's a tool, it's a data point. The other one's called Estabac. It's a data point in just the evaluation. Mark's about to share some of the other ways to evaluate the commercial potential for a domain and what he calls the sweet spot of domain name pricing. But let me take a moment here to thank our sponsor, FreshBooks. When building a business you're passionate about, it's easy to feel like, look, there is just never going to be enough hours in the day. And if you're doing all the bookkeeping and invoicing on your own, it means you're probably spending time on work you don't love. From building, sending, and following up on invoices, to tracking and managing expenses, to processing online payments, FreshBooks automates and simplifies all the tough and just plain old annoying parts of running your own business. I've been a FreshBooks customer for years. This is the all-in-one invoicing and accounting solution built for business owners like you and I. And come tax time, FreshBooks has your back. You'll find tons of reports to choose from, and you'll know exactly where your business stands to make filing a breeze. Getting up and running is quick and easy, and the award-winning Toronto-based FreshBooks support team is always available to answer questions. Remember, we called them up on the podcast a few years ago, and they picked up in one ring. But you can try FreshBooks free for 30 days. There's no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com slash side hustle and enter the side hustle show in the how did you hear about us section to get started today. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle to get more time back to build the business you love. Hey, entrepreneurs, we know that anyone with a side hustle loves finding new ways to save. So if your business takes you on the road, sign up for a free membership with Hertz Business Rewards. Work trips, client meetings, industry conferences with Hertz Business Rewards, you'll save at least 20% every time you rent a car. And you'll save on more than just the daily rate. Members earn credits redeemable towards free rental days. It's also free to add an additional driver if any additional coworkers come along. And for those Gen Z entrepreneurs out there, no young renter fees. Plus, sign up for Hertz Business Rewards today and earn three times credits during your first 90 days. So whether you're traveling for a side hustle or a main hustle, join for free at Hertz.com slash business rewards. Applies to base rate, taxes, fees, and options excluded. Additional terms and exclusions apply. Visit Hertz.com slash business rewards to learn more. And then for me, it's like looking at LinkedIn sometimes looking at GitHub to see how many people have little projects that they might have called that name, or just looking online to see how is it used. I mean, if the first three pages are just dictionary explanations and Wikipedia, and you don't see any commercial use, I mean, to me, that's a turnoff. So some of it, there's just a lot of data points out there, and I use them and some of it just comes in my experience of over the years buying thousands of names and looking at thousands of names where I just have a feeling where I think I can maybe sell it. And then, you know, names that I love that I buy, I list 
much higher than sometimes they're worth just because I love them. I mean, I just sold a name like that, that I only paid a few hundred dollars for, but I listed at almost $10,000 because I love the name and somebody bought it. I mean, that was, you know, a fluke that that happened, but Sometimes I price my names like that. And sometimes if I'm having a slow month in domains and somebody comes in and they make me an offer that's still a great return, but not what I was hoping for, I sometimes take it just to kind of switch the momentum. I mean, this is just like a superstitious based on nothing, but I sometimes do that, you know, just to change the mojo. If I buy a name... And let's say I bought a name for $100 and I priced it at $4,000, but I've only owned it a month and someone comes in and offers me $2,000 or $2,500. I'm not going to let that sale go. I'm, that person's going to get a good deal, but I'm not going to let that kind of a return after a month or two months of a hold go away either. So my average of just the names I sold... My average purchase price of the names I sold is $40, and my average sale price is $2,800. And that's been pretty consistent over the last couple of years. Now, I'm also pricing the names in a range of two to $5,000, and that is the sweet spot of sales for domains. Okay, so not trying to go for this like multi six figure, seven figure, you know, blockbuster, you know, one word dot com type of uh, domain acquisition and sale, but kind of playing in this maybe more attainable, more reasonable price range. Yes. And I think a lot of that really is because of my experience in this business where we did the business filings, because there we were dealing with people that were just like, oh, I have a great idea for a business. I'm going to start this thing. I'm, you know, they're at a barbecue and they're drinking and they're like, oh my God, we should start this thing. And they go and they incorporate the business the next day and, you know, they pay some few hundred dollars and they're ready to go. And there's some of that, a domain in two to 5,000 range, there is an impulse buy element. And I do think a lot of those are because it's somebody, in some cases, it's a company, they've been planning it, you know, they love the name, they're going to go out and get it. But in other cases, it's an entrepreneur who's just like, I think this, my idea is great. And I'm, I love this name. And sometimes people, you know, they get attached to the names. It's kind of like when you go to buy a house, you fall in love with the house, you'll do whatever it takes to get the house. And it becomes, you become emotionally invested. And I'm starting this business. I'm optimistic about it. It goes on my credit card. I'm going to do it. That's why that's a sweet spot is just, you know, not just the biggest target of names and it's a risk, but it's not a crazy risk for the buyer. And that's why I price a lot of them there, which is why I sell in that range. Is it a process of as soon as you register a domain, you're putting it up for sale on, I don't even know, like where, where do you, where do you sell these things? So I list them uh, at three places. The answer is yes. As soon as I get it, if I don't put it up right away, it's the backlog of work. You know, I could, if I buy 20 names in a week, let's say today I bought, I think 20 before I even got on this call with you. But if I don't go right away and I don't have any kind of system built and it's a manual process, I mean, there aren't a lot of great tools for listing names. So I have to take the name. I have to then first, I put it on a spreadsheet that I have, you know, where I bought it, the price, the date I bought it. And then a note to myself, whether I, because if you win a name at auction, you don't get it right away. So it's coming into your account. So I have to put a note on to make sure, you know, I go remember to look 
And then when I get a name in my account, then you have to log in and change the name servers to whatever landing page you're going to have it on. So I use mostly a company called Dan.com. That's the landing page. Dan, D-A-N. D-A-N. So if you type in one of my names, that's where you come. And that's where you can buy the name. And they have a really slick system. And it's the landing pages look great. So I put everything there. Then I also list them at a company called Afternic, which is the word after and then N-I-C. And that company is owned by GoDaddy. And so any name you list there not only shows up on GoDaddy, but shows up on hundreds of other registrars that Afternic provides the back end for. You know, if you registered at myfavoriteregistrar.com and typed in one of these words, and you might see it's for sale for some kind of a higher price than a registration fee. It's usually Afternic or another company that's doing that back-end sale. So it's like an affiliate kind of relationship. So I do it at Afternic. And then there's another company called Cedo, S-E-D-O.com. And they're like an Afternic, but they have other relationships and a lot more in Europe. For the return, those are the best along with your own landing page. So I do it right away. And again, I try to come up with a price also right away. Some people spend more time probably researching what their end price is gonna be. But for me, by hand register a name, I kind of have different buckets of prices where I'm just not spending tons of time researching it. So some of it's just by feel. You ever end up pricing too low and, you know, somebody else who wants it like instantly and you're like, well, shoot, I, I ought to aim higher here. You have the right of refusal for an offer. For an offer you do, but I set a lot of my names at buy it now. And the reason I do that is because I don't want somebody to think about it and go home and tell their significant other, you know, I'm, I love this name, whatever.com. I'm going to buy this for 2500 and have the partner say, uh, you're doing what? You know, what, who told you to do that? You know, and then, or just the person think is just like sitting around being like, wait, I could have had a new stove, but I'm buying this six letter.com. So <laughs> it's more where like, I, I want the person in the moment. And on my main landing page, I do have it where I have a buy it now and I have where you can make an offer and I have no bottom limit. So, you know, I get some offers at $100 and we're not ever going to even be close. And sometimes, you know, if I have a name listed for 4000 and I get a $500 offer, I know that this person is kind of serious. So maybe we can get somewhere and buyers generally, I mean, there's some people that just buy. It's a bigger company. They want the name and they know that if they start in a back and forth with you. Now, again, I don't know who the buyer, unlikely I know who it is, even if I'm going one-on-one -on -one negotiation with them because they can put a fake name in the thing. And I, I don't know, you know, until they pay. But the bigger companies, if they want a name, they're just going to buy it because they're not going to play around. And then I don't want to sell it. And when it falls apart over $100 and now I go raise the price. And so, you know, they'll just come and buy it. They're not going to play around. Over. But the other, I try to always think as the buyer, the end user, the regular person starting a business. And many cases before they typed that name into a browser, they assumed it was $10. Right. I mean, this is just based on the people I know in my life who just say, oh, I want to buy light.com. 
you know, where do you think I can buy that? And then I'm like, well, you know, you're going to need a million and a half dollars. Oh, I thought it was $10. So I do try to think like those people. A lot of times they have sticker shock. They just got here. You know, I'm not trying to educate them on the whole space. I'm, I'm just trying to explain to them where I am. And sometimes people, they get that they're more expensive, but they've learned or they've been told or they think that there's, they can get a deal. You know, there's some room and they're almost always right. I always have room to, to move and most other people do too. So if somebody's within 80% of my asking price, I'm going to try to get it done. And if they get close, I'm going to try to get it done. And now a lot of these sites have payment plans. You know, you can pay in some cases over five years if you want. Any purchases that you regret, like, oh my gosh, this is never going to sell. Maybe the trends changed or something like you're just, you're sitting on all this inventory. Yes. Every once in a while. I go through all my, I did this last year one time. I went through all my names just to see like how many purchases do I completely regret that were just, I got caught up in an auction. I didn't even want the name. It's a stupid name. And I had figured that I had spent over the year, over the last like four years, about $5,000 of complete regret. But I just had one. I was just talking to this domain friend of mine before I got on this podcast for you. And I was going through and, you know, again, I'm looking at sometimes thousands of names a day and you're not like looking at every one, you're just scrolling and looking and I'm at these different sites. And now because I'm buying in some of these different extensions, there's different auction sites for some of the different extensions. And I was at this one really big site for the called park.io and they kind of own the market on catching dot IOs as they drop. And I was going through and I was just like, I'm marking this for this is an auction I'm going to want to be in. So I'm going to watch it. Then they'll send me reminders and I don't even have to put on my calendar yet. And I marked one and I thought it was grasshopper.io. And then I got the thing that says, okay, congratulations. You just won this for $99. And then of course I realized if I just won it for $99, the name was not grasshopper and it was not, it was grasshopper. <laughs> Maybe they're going to want to register a, a misspelling. I don't know. Yes, that's what my friend tried to tell me to make me feel better. Yeah. It's like maybe it's someone hoping they'll, you know, get grass. But only a hundred bucks. So it could be worse. Yeah. No, there, there are ones I regret. Um, not terrible. You know, again, I'm not spending crazy amounts, but there are some days where I get caught up in an auction. And I, I, what I've, tr I try not to do is if I'm not at home in front of my computer, I don't let myself get caught up with auctions on my phone because it just, you make bad choices. It's hard to research the stuff on the phone. It's hard to type on the phone. You're trying to read this thing. You're trying to do whatever you're doing when you're out, you know, with the phone. It's annoying to the people you're with. And I know I've done this before where I've been at dinners and I'm like, look, this is an auction I have to be in. So when my alarm goes off, excuse me. I'm... Now, the thing about that is when I do that, I have found that domains are one of the greatest business development tools for regular business that I didn't notice it really until my most recent company. But people really find it interesting. They like talking about it. And I always comment on the domains of their companies. And uh, if I like, you know, if I, if the name's one I like, I compliment them on having a cool name. And, you know, a lot of people do because they bought the name 10 years ago. And, you know, it's just one of those random things that people, I think, 
you know, enjoy, you know, they don't want to talk about it at the level I want to talk about it, but. <laughs> well, it is. It's an interesting thing. It's something that we all interact with probably on a daily basis, but, you know, to get behind the scenes of the inner workings of it. And it's this digital real estate that is really interesting and kind of combines this flipping mentality, this buy low, sell high, and there's this, you know, thrill of the hunt. And I, I don't know, it's, it's interesting to me and I'm only, you know, very loosely involved with it. I mean, it's really great. I, again, I have a, a real passion for it. I, I've liked it ever since day one. I, I always thought it was cool. I liked being able to go look at my portfolio online. I liked, you know, I'm not a collector of things other than domain names. You know, I don't have little tchotchkes all over my house. And What's the portfolio look like today? It's at about 3,800 names. I, it might even be a little bit higher. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes, T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A. ANDS.com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. Are you trying to grow that or are you trying to sell these off? Like, what's the future hold here? You know, at this level, like if I keep buying the way that I'm buying, I will start making more and more money off domains because, again, the renewal costs are always going to be the same. So, yes, I'll be paying more renewals, but for every thousand domains that I own, my renewal cost is $10,000. So that's a fixed cost. So out of those thousand, if I can sell two, per, let's say I sell 2%, which is 20. And uh, that 20, let's say I'm selling for my average price, which is three grand. So that's 60. 
I'm paying 10 to keep them. And you can see how it, now there's commissions and some other things that come out, but you can see how that can add up quickly. So like the reason my sales, my, well, the income from domains has gone up over the last of these four years since I, I didn't even keep track until I think about 2016 of the sales. It was just kind of mixed into my company and, you know, I wasn't selling that many, but it's gone, you know, it's really gone up like last and January was my best month and February I'm back to reality. But January, I had a month that I had years that weren't like January. But as the portfolio grows, and, you know, I think I'm good enough at buying names and I'm buying, I have a pattern. I'm, I'm not doing crazy things. I'm staying in my lane. And so the income, you know, was really starting to move. And so it'll be harder now because I now have a, another company that I run that, you know, I'm responsible to investors and stuff. So I don't have... I have to do this kind of on my own time now, as opposed to all the time was my own time. But I would like to continue to grow it. It's getting to a point where it's pretty, it's very hard to manage with 3,800 names, just because I only renew names one year at a time. Because like you said, trends change things. You know, sometimes I buy names to entertain myself. There's a certain percentage of names that I buy that are just, I'm going to do a post about this for fun and I want to have the name, but it's a stupid name. But, you know, it's part of part of my entertainment. You know, it's like pain, playing penny slots. I have 3,800, but probably 3,600 are sellable. You know, some of them are just, you know, whatever. All right. Well, I mean, somebody bought it, you know. All right, Mark, this is awesome. DomainTheory.com, DropCap.com is the day job, I guess, the day business. This is uh, focusing on foreign language publishing rights for authors. Thanks so much for sharing the inside scoop on how this all goes. I mean, you got me even more interested in it. And my portfolio is, you know, a lot of side hustle related stuff and a lot of, you know, websites that I will register to just have an easy to say URL for the sake of, of being on the podcast, but maybe time to up this uh, portfolio, a little diversification maybe, but we'd love to uh, wrap this thing up with your number one tip for side hustle nation. This does not have to be domain related, just whatever entrepreneurial wisdom that you'd like to impart. Okay. My number one tip, if it's a Obviously, there's a difference between a side hustle and a side job, but if it's a side hustle, you have to love it and you have to be passionate about it. That's my tip. Very true. I can tell that you definitely love the uh, domain business and uh, and that definitely comes across. So appreciate you sharing with us and we'll catch up with you soon. All right. Nice talking. If you're anything like me, you get this little spark of excitement when you type in a domain into GoDaddy. And uh, it says it's available. Like, okay, lock it up, get it in while it's cheap. Now, I wouldn't call myself a collector of domains or an investor by any stretch, but I've accumulated around 30 over the years. And that's probably as big as the portfolio has ever been. Most of those are for specific projects like my books or courses. For example, I own buybuttonsbook.com, worksmarter.co, progressjournal.net, 1k100ways.com, just for the sake of having something easy to say on podcasts. Now, some domains, I feel like I buy almost defensively. Like, well, I wouldn't want anyone else to own it. So I registered both of my son's names, for example. I registered hustle.show and sidehustle.show. I'm not, not sure what I'm going to end up doing with those, but in any case, I'd rather have them than someone else. And as you can tell from Mark's enthusiasm, it's a really interesting and nerdy space. But I'll pose the question to you, you know, what's the most expensive 
domain you've ever bought. For me, it was startmysidehustle.com, which was 150 bucks. Uh, it's not a huge amount, which I currently have pointed uh, to uh, my courses on Teachable. Sidehustlenation.com wasn't available when I started the site. That was the name that I had in my, in my mind. So I sent a note to the previous owner and offered $100 for it. And we had a deal. They weren't really using it. I've done that a couple of times with domains that I wanted and easier to do if they don't have private registration and if they're not using the domain, like if there's a, a pre-built business on that site, it's going to be harder to get somebody to part with that. But it's easy enough to look up the who is registration data and reach out. Where you might not want to do that is if your name is easily tied to a similar, more well-established name. Like if I wanted to buy sidehustle.com, which is already registered, uh, but not in use, the price is going to be a lot higher once they realize the brand that I've already built on Side Hustle Nation. In cases like that, that's where it probably makes sense to use a brokerage service or, you know, setting up a fake, I don't know, but, you know, have someone else reach out on your behalf. I've only sold one domain that I can remember. It was actually the first domain I ever owned, njlenterprises.com, like my initials. I was on the airport shuttle in Seattle, and I still remember this because it was a random thing. This guy calls me out of the blue, and I guess back in the day when you'd still pick up an unknown phone number, uh, and offers me 100 bucks for it. And I wasn't using it at the time. And truthfully, it's not that great a name. So I, I took the deal. And considering I probably paid 10 bucks for it, you know, that was a pretty good return. But what stood out to me in this call with Mark was how much you really need to live and breathe this stuff to make it work. It's very much a volume game, which means investing capital upfront with the hopes of recouping it and profiting from it down the road. In a sense, it's similar to the flea market flipping type of side hustle, the eBay business, you know, trying to find some undervalued inventory, diamond in the rough domain name, and then finding the right retail buyer for it, just without the physical inventory and, and storage logistics. But what do you think? What is the perfect domain worth to you? I would like to believe it matters more what you build than what you build it on. But there's no question that digital real estate carries more than just perceived value. If you have a domain buying or selling story, I'd love to hear about it. Hit me up in the comments for this episode at sidehustlenation.com slash domain or uh, on the Twitter sphere at Ann Loper. Sidehustlenation.com slash domain is also where you'll find the full text summary of this episode, including all the links and resources mentioned. And while you're there, make sure to download the quick guide to the alternative investments that I've personally invested in. My style is a little more passive than Mark's, so I'm not trying to, you know, 10x my uh, investment in most of these cases, but that's at sidehustlenation.com slash domain or through the link in the episode description of your podcast player app. Big thanks to Mark for sharing his insight. Thanks to Andrew Alleman from Domain Name Wire for the intro, and thanks to FreshBooks for sponsoring this week. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen, and I'll catch you in the next edition of The Side Hustle Show where you'll meet the couple who took inspiration from a guest on the show a few years ago, took action, and turned it into a six-figure side hustle. I'll see you then. Hustle on.